Hello, sloggy kids and sloggy mommy. It's April 2nd, and we're going to do Daddy Cast number two. Uh, glad to hear you liked uh, last night's. I enjoyed doing it, so, and I want to read more of the story. And it's been a long time since I read through the book of Matthew. A lot of good reasons to keep reading, so thanks for paying attention and supporting this podcast. You can like me on Facebook or uh, shout me out on Instagram. Just kidding. Okay, had a good day. CCP is doing good. Working with Mr. Jimmy, Mr. Larry, and Big Mike, whom you haven't met. And that's it. Only four of us. Uh, But yeah, nice day. Sunny and in the 20s. So let me grab my glasses here. Oh, Chrissy and Sonia, congratulations in completing your uh, cursive books. And Lil, that was a funny joke, and I liked your little Durgan man. All right, without further ado, chapter 2, Book of Matthew. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And it says that that, which was quoted in Jesus' time, was actually written in the book of Micah and Ezekiel back 1,500, 2,000 years ago, or before then, so. Okay, back to the book. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, Bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, And they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, 
for Herod is about the search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, quote, Out of Egypt I call my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, quote, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. Okay, I've ha I have one question for you, and you're going to have to look back in your Bible. You're going to have to see how many times in chapter 2 that Matthew referred to an Old Testament prophet or an Old Testament prophecy that was spoken hundreds or even several thousand years before chapter 2 was uh, took place. So Matthew's trying to establish that, hey, God spoke about all these things happening long before Jesus even came, even down to the specific details of where Jesus would be born and where he would live and about him having to leave the country. So, just in chapter 2, figure out how many times the Old Testament prophets were quoted. And Old Testament prophecy was fulfilled. Okay, so, 7 minutes and 20 seconds into our podcast, I'm just going to say, I'm going to pray for you guys. I'm going to ask God that He'd open the eyes of your heart, and that every time we read the Bible, that His Word would go forth and not return void, but accomplish its perfect purpose as, as we read together and as you kiddos listen, and that you would receive it in your hearts, and that God's words would change you and renew you and fill you up, that this would be the bread of life 
for your hearts and that you would learn to really love God's Word and learn to love Jesus. Okay, thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, so let me get the iPad here and we'll read some wing feather. Let's think here for a second. What happened in chapter 18? Lily played the whistle harp, right? Lily, I should say, not Lily. And she got an idea after not being able to see anything of her brothers. She realized what? That all the times before the dragons were near. So she came up with a plan. And Poto was just really happy about it. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not, but I think he's still up for it. So, at the very end of the chapter, Poto heaved a sigh, then clomped to the door and put on his coat. I'll get the sled ready. Then he grabbed his leg bone and a sword and stepped outside into the cold dawn. By the time the sun rose, Lily, Oscar, Nia, and Poto were riding west to the harbor. The sunlight that pushed through the gray mist was weak and eerie, and though they didn't know it, above the clouds, a vast flock of bat fangs circled in the airy silence, awaiting the signal to attack. Uh oh. Chapter 19. What Kalmar saw. Kalmar smelled the troll long before he found its tracks. Just before sunrise, he spotted a set of footprints as big as flagstones in a budding apple orchard. Though the stench of troll flesh stung his nose, he could smell Janner too. He was alive. Kalmar crept through the orchard slowly recalling every Durgan principle of sneakery. He had to be quiet, because surprise might be his only advantage. He might be able to beat a fang, but a troll? They were big. Their skin was as thick as bark, and they were strong enough to throw a boulder. Cal had seen them do it at Miller's Bridge. At the edge of the orchard, the footprints veered to the left and wound into a brushy ravine. If it weren't for the footprints, the terrible smell, and all the broken branches, he would hardly know the troll was there at all, Cal thought with a grim smile. Trolls weren't exactly masters of stealth. As he crept down the hill and into the brush, he could hear the thing breathing, a huffing, snorting sound, like a giant hog pig gobbling slop. He hoped it wasn't gobbling his brother. He dropped to all fours and crept under the haythorn brambles, stopping now and again to tug his cape loose from a thorn or twig. The smell grew stronger and stronger until Cal's eyes watered and his bile rose in his throat. He worried that his nose would be permanently damaged, like the nasal equivalent of staring too long into the sun and going blind. Calmar reached a muddy boulder and peeked around it, discovering at last the welcome sight of Janner sitting among the haythorn with his legs tucked up to his chest and his black cape wrapped around himself for warmth. But Cal still couldn't see the troll. It had to be on the other side of the boulder. 
Calmer wanted to whistle or snap, but it was too risky. He waved at Jenner, but he wouldn't look up. Cal leaned against the boulder and scooted his way around to see the other side, where he saw the troll's gray, lumpy foot, its toenails yellow and cracked. The foot was attached to an enormous leg, and the leg was attached to an enormous body, and at once he realized the boulder wasn't a boulder at all. It was the troll's back, and Cal was leaning against it. He shrieked mostly with disgust that he'd actually touched the thing. Janner's head jerked up and jerked up, and the look of confusion on his face might have been funny if it not for the danger. Cal fell backward into a tangle of brush, scrambling to draw his sword. The troll grunted, then stood and spun around. It saw Cal and narrowed its beady eyes. The fat lower lip curled downward and it sneered. Kalmar's cape was hopelessly tangled in the scrub. His sword was beneath him at an odd angle, and he was so frightened that even if he could move, he wouldn't have been able to do. He wouldn't have been able to. The troll raised its mighty arms over its head and curled its fingers into battering ram fists. Cal closed his eyes, regretting, among many other things, that the last thing he would smell would be troll sweat. Ood! Janner cried. Cal was aware, in what he thought was his last moment, that this was a strange thing for Janner to shout. When the blow didn't come, he opened one eye and saw Janner standing between him and the troll, waving his hands. Ood! No, he's not a fang! After a pause, the troll spoke in a deep rumble. Fang! Bad fang. No, Ood, this is my brother. Janner put a hand to his heart. Brother. Brother. The troll studied Kalmar and eventually lowered its arms. Brother? Janner extended a hand to Kalmar. Cal, get up. Slowly. Cal took his brother's hand and disentangled himself from the brush, willing his legs not to shake. He had no idea what was going on, but he knew better than to ask questions. He put his arm around Janner. The trowel growled again. It's all right. He's not a fang. Good fang? The troll asked, cocking his head a little. Janner smiled. Yes, good fang. Brother. At once, the troll broke into a grin. Before Kalmar could say a word, the troll grabbed them both and lifted them to his chest in the stinkiest hug of Kalmar's life. He held his breath, though the embrace was so tight he couldn't have breathed anyway. And just when he thought he would lose consciousness... The troll released them both and patted them on their heads with surprising gentleness. Me ood. The troll thumped his great chest and peered down at Kalmar, its eyes twinkling with intelligence. You brother. Ood, Kalmar said, pointing at the troll. He pointed to his own chest. Kalmar. Kalmar, 
The troll replied with another grin so hideous it was beautiful. Then it sat down with a crash and began cleaning between its toes. Cal's knees gave way and he plopped to the ground. I don't even know what to ask. He, uh, he said, smiling weakly at Janner. Janner smiled back. How did you find me? I got lucky, I think. I ran into a band of ridge runners, and after that it was a matter of sn sniffing you out. What happened? After Janner explained how he had rescued the troll, he said, When I woke up, the troll was sitting beside me eating a goat haunch. It offered me a hunk, which I forced myself to eat, and then I guess we were friends. The troll looked up from its toes with a smile and waved at the brothers. Janner waved back, then grew serious. But we can't stay here, Cal. Listen, I ran into another band of ridge runners, and they said Nag had already ordered an invasion. I was trying to get home to warn everyone when I bumped into Ood. The attack might come any day now. Cal stared directly at the muddy ground. Jenner had no idea how bad things really were, and he hated to be the one to tell him. The fangs attacked yesterday. What? Jenner said, jumping to his feet. We have to go! Listen, Cal said, it's too late. They've invaded. We won the battle, but not by much. They have these bat fangs. They fly. Janner glanced at the sky. How bad was it? Pretty bad. They caught us by surprise in the Great Hall. Mom is all right, and so is Lily. Podo and Oscar made it too. Rudrick? Janner asked. He's alive. They're getting ready for the next wave of bats, and I'm sure there will be gray and green fangs to follow. If the clans hadn't been at the fields of Finley, Ban Rona would have been lost. They sent you to find me, Janner asked. Well, not exactly. Kalmar took a deep breath. He wasn't sure how much to tell Janner. Should he admit that he was afraid to become a fang? Or worse, a mad fang? Or should he tell him the other part of his plan about trying to sneak into Throg to defeat Nag alone? Either way, he was sure Janner would make him feel like a fool. And why shouldn't he? He was a fool. That's what got him fanged in the first place. I came on my own. Just to stop there, kids. Is that Kalmar listening to good voices in his head or outside of his head? Is that him talking nicely about himself or is that him? being negative about himself. Okay, anyways, back to the book. That's what got him fanged in the first place. I came on my own. You did what? Janner said with the irritated tone that Kalmar knew all too well. I'm going to Throg to find Nag. Janner said nothing, and Kalmar willed himself to look him in the eye. I've thought about this, believe it or not. I'm useless in Ban Rona. We know Uncle Arthur found a way out of the deeps through the Blackwood, which means there's a way in. But an army could never do it. 
What about the Durgans? They can sneak better than us. Think about it. Rudrick needs them all to defend the city. So I decided to do it myself. And I want you to help me. Cal lowered his eyes again. Janner's gaze was unreadable, and it was too heavy besides. He waited for the rebuke. Janner meant well. He knew that. But he had been hammered with all that take-care-of-your-brother business since they were toddlers, so he couldn't help but treating Cal like he was a baby. After a long pause, Janner nodded. I'm with you. Cal couldn't believe his ears. Really? You're the king. I'm with you. Besides, it's not a bad idea. Janner smiled. We're already this far into the hollows, and the fangs are focused on Banrona. If someone wanted to sneak into fang territory, you are the best disguise anyone could ask for. I'm with you, brother. Brother, Ood said. Galmar was so relieved he couldn't speak. He was about to tell Janner his other reason for running, but Janner whispered, The question is, what do we do with our giant friend here? The troll had abandoned the cleaning of his toes and was now scraping at his upper tooth with a rock. When he noticed the boys looking his way, he smiled again and said, Go to Throg, Ood, Squash, Nag. Ood smashed a fist into the ground and growled when the boys, while the boys laughed nervously. I guess that settles it, your highness, Janner said. To the Blackwood we go. Then Janner and Cal heard a melody that seemed to seep up through the earth and into their bones. Cal's head swam with misty images, and he and Janner looked at one another knowingly. Somewhere, Lily was playing, calling them with the Maker's magic. The ravine, the troll, the haythorn brush all faded away until they were lost in a stream of music and words and vision that stretched across ere we are, like a braid connecting the jewels of Aneria. They sensed each other's presences. Kalmar thought he saw Artham too, but he was far away and faint. Lily was at the harbor of Banrona, surrounded by Nia, Podo, and Oscar. Then, in a way he couldn't explain later, Kalmar aimed his attention at another presence, another consciousness that lurked at the edge of the magic. It was swathed in shadow, hunched over like a broken thing. The song, which in Kalmar's mind usually shaped itself into vivid images, shied away from the figure as if a dark wind was blowing out the melody's flame. It was no dragon. It wasn't a cloven or a fang. It was Nag the Nameless, and Nag wanted them to know it. Cal could see the enemy smiling. Okay, that's the end of chapter 19. And I think we got time for another chapter. I'm going to take a quick 30-second break here 
and text mommy, okay? Text and mommy. Text and mommy. Text and mommy. Text and mommy time. Texting mommy. Texting mommy. Texting mommy. Texting mommy, Melissa time. Anybody singing a Jeopardy song? I'll get a recording of it, maybe. All right, almost done here. Hope that kept recording. Oh yeah, okay, here we go. Chapter 20, what Lily felt, what Lily felt. Poto reined up the horse at the west end of Primini Avenue just before the cobblestone road descended to the harbor. The city was coated with a fog that made the sun reluctant to break through. As if too dreaded, as if it too dreaded the coming battle. The grown-ups kept glancing at the sky, and Lily wished they would stop pretending like they weren't worried. Whenever they looked at her, they gave her a smile that said, Everything's all right, little girl. But she knew it wasn't, and she could handle it. It was the same with her limp. She didn't mind help now and then. She didn't want to be treated like she was a help was helpless or naive. Seems like this might be close enough, don't you think? Poto reined up the horses and looked down at Lily. Lily grabbed the reins from Poto and shook them. A little closer. No need to get feisty, he said, glancing at the foggy sky again. I think there's plenty of need to get feisty, Lily answered. The way her eyebrows worked when she spoke removed any doubt that she was Poto Helmer's granddaughter. The bats up there could attack at any moment, and we can't sit here all day long doing nothing. She noticed with some pleasure the way Poto and Nia exchanged surprised glances. Oscar began to whistle nervously. As the sled horse clopped toward the water, Durgans and Cowls and Hollis folk in armor emerged from the fog nodding at them as they passed. Lily's stomach fluttered at the thoughts of dragons swirling and swimming just below the surface of the water. Dragons who had nearly killed them and who wanted to swallow Poto whole. She was asking a lot and she knew it. Lily t took Poto's gnarled, trembling hand in hers and felt terrible for forcing him into this. Don't be scared, Lily said. Ah, Lily, how young you are. It ain't the fear, lass. Poto's voice trembled. It's memories that give an old man pause. Lily held tight to Poto's hand. By the time they reached the waterfront, the fog was so thick that their clothes were beaded with dew. The dock disappeared into the mist a few yards out from the shoreline, and Lily could hear the slap of water on hulls and creaking timbers of boats moored along the quay. Lily, girl, I hope this is close enough, Poto whispered. Yes, sir. She asked Oscar to choose a song. An old one, 
the oldest you can find, but nothing about a dragon, and something sad if you can find it. Of course, Highness, Oscar said, and Lily heard the rustle of pages. Oh, I totally messed up Lily's voice. Okay, I'll go back. Yes, sir, she asked. She asked Oscar to choose a song. An old one, the oldest you can find, but nothing about a dragon, and something sad if you can find it. Of course, Highness, Oscar said, and Lily heard the rustle of pages. Ah, Oscar clapped. How about Gladys in the North Wind? It tells of her sorrow when Omer died. Oscar passed the book to Poto, who held it open for Lily while staring at the water with dread. Lily studied the notes, fingered them on her whistle harp, then raised it to her lips and began to play. At first there was nothing. Then a tingling started in her toes and ran up to her ears. The sensation warmed her like sunlight emerging from behind a passing cloud. She heard a music that was deeper than the song she was playing and realized dimly that her eyes were closed. She was playing Gladys in the North Wind without looking at the page. Images passed through her mind like waves, and soon she was aware of a woman with long, dark hair, dressed in a simple yet beautiful dress, the kind of, a th kind of thing a girl could play in and still feel pretty, Lily thought. The woman was strolling the stony shore of a green island. It was Gladys, the first woman. The music was painting pictures of the events that inspired it. The woman was weeping, then kneeling at the body of a young man, then playing a whistle harp, which looked a lot like Lily's, beside a gravestone. Lily felt the woman's sadness, and it seemed that if she played long enough, she might tumble bodily into the song and speak to Gladys face to face. The magic was working. But she was looking for her brothers, not playing for pleasure. Lily shook her head and had the eerie sensation that Gladys bade her farewell before vanishing into a mist like the one hanging over the harbor. Where are you? Janner, can you hear me? Still playing, still faintly aware of Poto's presence beside her, she willed the mist to part so she could see her brothers. They were together, standing in the snow as something huge and rock-like lurked at the periphery of her vision. Then they both looked directly at her. Where are you? she asked. Somewhere in the hollows, Janner answered. His lips didn't move, but she heard his voice as if they were standing right in front of her. Are you all right? We're all worried about you. Baxter came back, but he's hurt pretty bad. Now it was Kalmar who spoke. We have to go, Lily. His eyes looked troubled. What do you mean? We're going to throg, Cal said. Lily's fingers slipped from the whistle harp holes for a moment. 
The vision flickered until she found the melody again. So Cal wasn't going to find Janner after all. It didn't come as a, as a surprise, not when she thought about it. He had never wanted to be a proper king anyway, but that wasn't what troubled her. The vision showed her his heart, and she saw a dark cloud there. She felt his fear, and she could tell it was more than, the, than fear of Nag or fear of the journey. He was hiding something. Is something wrong? she asked. Kalmar didn't answer. Then Lily came, became aware of a fourth presence in the vision, a shadow like the one in Cal's heart, only a thousand times bigger and blacker, smoldering at the edges. She felt in that she felt in that other heart a roiling anger, murderous and mean. It made her flesh go cold as death. Lily could tell the boys sensed it too, and she was about to ask them about it when suddenly Cal's, owls, Cal's eyes widened and a look of terror came over his face. Janner gasped, and she heard him screaming in her mind. At first she thought the boys were in trouble, but then she made out Janner's words. Lily, run! They're coming! Run! She slowly became aware that there were other voices mingling with Janner's. They weren't coming from the vision or the music, but from right beside her. It was Poto's voice, then Nia's. Someone jerked the whistle harp from her hands and the vision vanished like a door slamming shut. Lily blinked, confused about where she was. The harbor, the sled... Then the world crashed into her senses. Bats! Poto was bellow bellowing as he waved his leg bone in the air. Bats! Oscar! Nia! Draw your swords! Lily looked up at the featureless gray above them and saw shapes wheeling about in the mist. Wings, legs dangling from the belly of the clouds and gray fangs dropping from the sky like debris in a storm. There were thousands of them. Then a final remnant of magic pulsed through her mind. Another voice, like the crashing of mighty waves. Scale Raker will die if he sets foot in the sea, girl. It was Jurgen. Grandpa, get away from the water, Lily cried praying that the churning sea wouldn't erupt with dragons as it had near the ice prairies. That's what I'm trying to do! Poto fumbled with the reins as he waved his sword in the air. None of the bat fangs had come close enough to attack, but more swooped down with every passing second. Lily knew her family wouldn't last long in the open. The foggy harbor was at their backs, the lower city was before them, and fangs were above. If they didn't get to the heart of the city, they would be driven onto the docks where the dragons lurked. Nia and Oscar stood at the back of the wagon with their swords drawn. The horse whinnied as Poto tugged at their reins, trying to turn the wagon enough that they could charge back up the lane. At last he managed it and whipped the horse into a gallop. But fangs, oh, I'm sorry, bat fangs and gray fangs choked the streets. 
Hollow's folk poured out from every doorway to meet them. Lily clutched the seat as Poto drove the horse into the fray. Swords clashed, wolves growled, and bats shrieked as they flew past. Lily leaned against Poto, glad above all that they were far enough from the harbor to no longer worry about Jurgen. She never wanted his old, dark voice in her head again. Take that, cried Oscar, and that. He bulged over the side of the wagon, whacking his sword at everything they passed. Nia, meanwhile, did the same on the opposite side, with less, less bulging and more accuracy. Even Poto got in a swipe or two as he drove. He piloted the wagon madly through the streets until they burst through a line of Hollish warriors, where Rudrick dashed to and fro, shouting orders. The line had formed on the street outside the Grey Library, and though the trees crawled with bat fangs, the archers stationed beneath the branches. And though the and though the trees crawled with bat fangs, the archers stationed beneath the branches thinned them out in moments. Get inside, quick! Poto yelled as he leapt from the seat. Lily would have loved to obey Poto's orders. She would have loved to have followed her mother and grandfather into the relative safety of the old building, but instead she was being lifted above the rooftops, above the morning haze, and into the bright, cold sky. Two long, misshapen hands had wrapped their bony fingers around her arms, and when she looked up she saw the heaving chest of a bat fang, and its wings flapped her skyward. Below, the buildings of Banrona looked like tombstones rising out of the fog. And away to nag we go, said the bat fang with a wicked laugh. Okay, chapter 21. It's called, What Janner Heard. What Janner Heard. Okay, I think we got time to read this. Janner stood, at, Janner stood in the snow with Ood and Kalmar, heart pulsing with Lily's song. The words were as clear as if spoken into his ear. He heard Jurgen, the dragon king, muttering about Poto's many sins. He even heard, as if from a great distance, Artham screaming something, though he couldn't make out the words. Maybe he was in a battle, or maybe he was too far away or too crazy to notice Lily's song. Either way, he heard that voice. Hearing that voice made Janner ache to see his uncle again, to help him if he could. But Janner heard something else, too something close and creepy, as if it was standing behind him and speaking into his ear. Nag the Nameless. His dripping, dark voice crawled in Janner's brain like a maggot. I'll find you, wing feathers. Then the voice laughed, a terrible laugh that made Janner feel nauseated. Now that he had heard the real nag speak, 
He felt silly for having ever confused him with sea dragons or a cloven. Nag's voice was more menacing, more inhuman by far. And this was the thing Kalmar wanted to fight? Suddenly their quest seemed like a terrible idea. Not only that, their family needed all the help they could get. We need to go back, Janner said breathlessly when the connection broke. Those bat fangs are everywhere. Gray fangs, too. Ood looked around fearfully. What you mean? Ood said. His little eyes blinked in confusion. Ood see nothing. It's hard to explain, Kalmar said. It's a kind of magic, I guess. It just happens sometimes. Magic? Ood said. What is magic? We don't have time for this. Janner was already climbing out of the ravine in the direction they had come. Lily and the others are in trouble. Janner, wait. You said you were with me. We're halfway to the Blackwood already. We have to help them, Janner said over his shoulder. The best way to help them is to get to Throg. Batfangs will overrun the city. Our whole family is there, and that vision was a sign that this quest of yours is a mistake. Now come on, please. No. Kalmar's snout twitched and he let out a growl, his sharp teeth gleaming. I'm not going back. Why not? What are you trying to avoid? A few ceremonies? Is it that you'll have to be in a council or give a few speeches? Or is it that you're scared? You don't understand. Cal's lips curled back. His eyes were flecked with yellow. The same yellow as when he had first been fanged. Cal, Janner said, his voice breaking. He was suddenly afraid, as if he were no longer standing in front of his brother or even a gray fang, but a feral wolf about to pounce. Ood's chest rumbled. From the corner of his eye, Janner saw movement near a stand of fatberry trees. Kalmar noticed, too, because he suddenly sped off on all fours, growling like a wolf in the direction of the movement. Ood and Janner looked at one another in surprise. Before they could follow, Kalmar emerged from the trees with a snow fox in his mouth. The little creature was lifeless. Cal, Janner said. Kalmar stood upright again. He blinked and looked at Janner and Ood in confusion. His eyes changed back to their normal blue. Oomph, he said. Then he realized there was something in his mouth and he spat it out. When he saw the snow fox at his feet, he jumped back with revulsion, wiping at his mouth. What? What happened? I was going to ask you the same thing, Janner said warily, edging back down into the ravine. Bad fang, Ood said. The troll stepped between Janner and Cal. Kalmar closed his eyes and nodded his head. Bad fang. Janner hated the pause that followed. 
He wanted to fill it with encouraging words, but he couldn't think of anything to say. He knew that Cal had lapsed into fangishness. When he'd fed Esben in the cave, and when he fought Grigory Bunge, and when Janner had found him at the chicken coop, and he knew that Uncle Artham was still went a little crazy from time to time, but this seemed something deeper and more dangerous. How long has this been happening? Ever since I changed, ever since I sang that song like a coward, it's been getting worse. Cal clenched his fists. I screwed everything up, Janner. I'm supposed to be a king, but I'm a monster. Cal scraped at the fur on his arms as if it were a costume he could remove. And I can't stop it, no matter how I try to be good, no matter how I try to be what everybody wants me to be. I want to. I really do. But in the end, I'm still a monster. And Janner, Cal said with tears in his eyes, I think it's getting worse. I'm afraid I'll hurt someone. That's why I have to try and stop Nag while I still can, because I'm running out of time. Janner wanted to hug his brother and tell him it would be all right, but he didn't want to lie. He didn't know if it would be all right. He had seen the yellow eyes, the bared teeth. Kalmar was still Kalmar, but there was something else in him too, something that ran deep and dark, and Janner didn't know how to rid him of it. He imagined what might happen if they went back to Banrona and Cal hurt Lily or Nia, and he understood why Cal didn't want to go back. He also wondered what would happen if Kalmar attacked him. It had happened once on the Onramir, and Janner had the scars to prove it. But he was the throne warden, and though he was afraid, he knew what he had to do. He knew what Artham and Nia and Esben would want him to do. I guess we better go find Nag. Janner put his hand on Cal's furry shoulder. We'll keep to the plan. Get into Throg, find Nag, and then we'll figure out how to heal you. Do you really think? Cal said, looking hopefully into Janner's eyes. Ships and sharks, there's always a way out. Janner looked away before Cal could see how unsure he really was. Ood? The troll grunted. Kalmar is not a bad fang. He wants to be good, right? He forget to be good sometimes, Ood asked. Kalmar chuckled and wiped his nose. Yeah, that's it. I forget. Me too, said Ood with a smile. Then I'll help you remember, Janner said to Kalmar. What's your name? Cal winced and bowed his head, as if the words caused him pain. My name is Kalmar Wingfeather, son of Esben Wingfeather. High King of Aneria, Janner said. High King of Aneria. 
Now let's get to the Blackwood. End of chapter 21. Okay, that's good enough for tonight, kiddos. 48 minutes. Chapter 22 is called Lily's Secret Weapon. Sounds pretty awesome. Can't wait to read it with you tomorrow night. Okay, I love you kiddos. I love you Lily, Gideon, Christina, Sonia, and who's that other guy? Um, Gary Pants, Gary Bear. Oh, wait, Garrison. I love you too, Garrison. Hope you guys get some good sleep tonight and have a really good day tomorrow. Love you very much. Night-night.